another edition of horrifying my friends today i'm joined by three desk three guests wow. and a special guest three dest <laughs> uh, go ahead and introduce yourself Lori. you go ahead my name is Lori llewellyn Lori ann llewellyn Lori ann Lori the stallion if you will <laughs> or or not she's more like a pony <laughs> i'm katie kerr producer kate oh yeah you all know me um so for any of our listeners who haven't Listen to the first Nightmare on Elm Street episode. Um, Lori was our guest on that episode, and she is dating Katie Kerr. Yeah, she's my boo. Episode. <laughs> so just to it, get a sense of how we all know each other. <laughs> and then we got a special guest, Donnie Yabara. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I said I joked that the uh, first call was probably inter- interrupted by the uh, the flames of the you know the world burning down. <laughs> that post-apocalyptic New yeah. York City scape. Yeah, it was yes. trying to make its way through the hellscape. My my theory was it was a ghost eating a body. Anyway, Bob, introduce yourself. <laughs> um, so I am Donnie Barra. I am Travis's brother, of course. A little bit older, not much, not by much. And yeah, so we love horror movies, and I'm excited to be a guest on your show. Absolutely. And hopefully this is a uh, time, hopefully we get these calls figured out and you can be on multiple times. Um, yeah, because next time you use a planchette and just get me by the Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will not be on that episode. That was our backup, honestly. That was no our backup to get you. Um, but anyway, the, today's movie, uh, this is actually, like, like Kate mentioned earlier, this is like a Pride special edition. So the, yeah, yeah. the first thing that I wanted to do was kind of go around and... Um, we were talking about Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge from 1985. And uh, because this is Pride Month, I kind of wanted to go around and have you guys tell kind of like what Pride means to you individually. Uh, Lori Ann, if you want to start, and then we'll go to Kitty Kerr, and then we'll go to Bub. Yeah, for me, Pride is just an expression of being your true self. Um, it's a celebration of your um, identity and you are able to love who you love and we have um, a big old pride festival in Indianapolis that we're usually pretty excited to go to but it was canceled this year so we're just gonna call it pride every day in 2020 just to make it super gay mm-hmm. get it all the way up we love things that are super gay <laughs> yes. all the gays Katie Kerr okay um, much like Lori said it's just like um, being able to show that you're proud to be who you are and like it's a safe place to show that you're proud to be gay because we haven't always been able to do that safely and in some parts of the country you still can't Mm -hmm. so it's my favorite part of june not just my birthday but like Lori said or (laughs) yeah or your birthday (laughs) sorry dad um but we're just gonna make 2020 as gay as possible lots of glitter so Gay Absolutely. agenda, eat tacos on Tuesday. <laughs> Bub, go ahead. 
Yeah, so I think pride is is definitely uh, important for me. I've seen it over the years, um, you know, from the late 90s to the 2000s, it's evolved. And um, I think as a community, we've subverted a lot of the norms. We've, we're not quite like our predecessors where we were, you know, in the streets fighting for the rights. But now we've slowly evolved and, you know, we're getting married and we're able to have kids and we still fight for those things. But I think the important piece is to understand our privilege with pride and know that we're in a different place than we used to be, but we mm -hmm. can always do a lot better. And I think that that is why it's so important to me and even more so now is to understand how we can keep fighting and making things better for everyone. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Well said. Very much. So to get to the movie that we're talking about, this is, like I said, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. I keep on wanting to say Friday the 13th. Maybe mm -hmm. I, maybe we need to do Friday the 13th Part <laughs> 5 at some point soon. Yes. Um, the synopsis is, a teenage boy is haunted in his dreams by deceased child murderer Freddy Krueger, who is out to possess him in order to continue his reign of terror in the real world. So this was directed by Jack Shoulder. Uh, Bub, you'll know. Uh, I didn't know this, but you'll know he directed Alone in the Dark from 1982, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, written by David Chaskin. Um, he wrote. He also wrote The Curse and I, Madman. Uh, the composer was Christopher Young, who went on to later do Hellraiser 1 and 2, Copycat, and Urban Legend, just to name a few. Um, I actually thought the music in this was actually pretty spooky at times. Like, I really thought it was well done. I agree. Um, the cast, Mark Patton as Jesse Walsh, Kim Myers as Lisa Weber, Robert Russler as Ron, and of course Robert England returning as Freddy Krueger. Um, the makeup on Freddy was completely different than the first film. It, it was almost like, a, like they, I think they started from scratch. It was a whole new makeup department and stuff. So it was like a lot slimmer and stuff, maybe like bonier. Um, in my opinion, this is the scariest Freddy has ever been on film. I don't know if anybody else agrees with that. Maybe New Nightmare. So I have have not seen all of them. I've mm -hmm. seen most of them, but I have not seen all, so I couldn't give my opinion mm -hmm. yet. Definitely scarier than the first one. Yeah, I think I he is agree. too. Creepy. But yeah, um, for sure, dude. He he's pretty spooky in this. Um, all right. So initial reactions, uh, Bub. I know you and I have seen this movie before, so we'll start with uh, Lori and Katie Kerr, and then uh, producer Kate, and then we'll get Bub's like impression of watching it recently. You know, in light of the documentary and stuff, we'll get into that too. As far as like themes go. I think it's a good place to talk about the documentary. But, Lori, go ahead. Um, initial impressions. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I've only seen one other um, Freddy Krueger movie, which was the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, however, I really liked the um, difference of having a boy as, like, the final boy instead of the Ooh. final girl. That's right. I learned a term from this podcast. Uh -huh. um, so, <laughs> so um, I actually, I really liked it. I thought it was, um, like, 10 out of 10 watchability. Very um, entertaining captivating uh, i think the acting was really solid and the plot line was so different from the first one that it felt kind of an, like an independent um of the first but i did really enjoy it and um, I, I watched it twice so i probably could continue watching the nightmare on elm street series um because i did like it so much but i really thought the acting was was legit absolutely already got a 10 out of 10 out <laughs> there. yeah i i like it a lot more than the first one also like she said i like that a male sort of took the damsel-ish role, like, you know, to 
sort of like face Freddy and that his female friend took the role of like the protector to help. Yeah, him. He, she was kind of like Johnny Depp's like character yes, in the first yeah. one. But actually more helpful because <laughs> yeah. she stayed awake, which was literally <laughs> her only job. Um I liked some of the some of the shots like whenever after he kills Grady and he's like screaming and you see like his mouth open and his throat and you could see like Freddie blinking from mm-hmm. inside his oh, mouth. Yeah. The eyeball. Yeah. But I would agree that it feels kinda of more of like a standalone movie than like a part of a series. Um and part like pulling from part of the documentary, like they said that they view it as like a possession movie instead of a slasher, which I could sort of see and agree with because it has a very different feel than mm-hmm. the first movie. Producer Kate. And it's super gay. Super gay. <laughs> we'll get into that in a theme for sure. <laughs> okay. So I might have an unpopular opinion. Whoa, in this oh, room. here we go. Okay. We there, like there, are, <laughs> <laughs> Woo. there are things about this movie that I like a lot more than the, mm-hmm. than the other, the first nightmare on Elm street. I have not seen anything other than these two in mm-hmm. the, in the franchise. So, know that for instance the and we'll get into this later but like the kind of the gay kind of subtext with throughout it like i really appreciated that i appreciate all the things that katie and Lori already brought up so i won't belabor that but personally i did not enjoy this movie as much because i had an even harder time and i don't know the right terminology for it but the what i told my husband when i he was asking me what i thought it I kind of phrased it like this. I was like, I can't get my mind around the physics of the movie, <laughs> like the the mechanics of it. Like, and Trav called it like the rules. Um, I don't. It didn't make. It doesn't make any sense. The plot confused me in a lot of ways, but it. I For will sure. say it didn't stop me from enjoying I would, it. I would agree with you on that though, because like like you said, the rules. It doesn't follow any of the rules of the first movie. Like mm-hmm. it's. It doesn't make sense in that aspect. (laughs) I was talking to Rose about it, too, and that was, like, one thing that we definitely agreed on. Right. uh, Let's save it for the plot. We'll discuss the plot here in a minute. But what? So what was your impression of it revisiting this one? Because I know, like, me and you have liked it in the past. But, yeah, go ahead. I think when I was a kid, even before you were born, and I remember seeing this when I was – when it first came out and watching it, like, by myself – I was very scared of it because it was a different type of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street than I had seen before because of the possession angle. And I think it was more intimate with the the way the narrative plays out with um, Jesse because it is all about him. It's about what he's going through, through the subtext and also just through his own journey and not even knowing anything about, you know, the gay subtext because I didn't get it obviously like that as a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but but rewatching it um, after watching it again and after seeing the documentary, which I won't go into much, but I think it did put a different lens on it for me. You know, a lot more grown-up things started to happen. A lot more of a filter with politics and gay culture and Reagan and like all of these things just started kind of bubbling in my head. And I'm like, oh, so now I get like why this is so disliked by fans and also why it's so embraced now by a different generation of fans. And I really enjoy it a lot more. It's, it's actually my third favorite of the series. And I think I like it more now knowing after watching the documentary and of course, after seeing it again, much older. For sure. 
for sure. And I, I, I do agree with you, Kate. Like, uh, we were talking about it a little before. Like, um, a lot of fans and uh, a lot of fans have a problem with this one, not just because of the subtext, but because of like um, a lot of the stuff you can't really tell. Like Kate said, like whether it's dream or real, you're just like, oh, okay, is this really happening? Or <laughs> oh, oh, Freddie's at a pool now and he's running around and shit. <laughs> like that seems like really weird. But yeah, man, Freddie is fucking creepy in this one, man. <laughs> like I wrote down a quote. I love like the when Freddie first meets Jesse. And it's like, uh, Jesse's like looking downstairs, I think to the cellar and, uh, Freddie like has the claws like on his face, you know? And like, he's like, uh, it's like dragging down his face and he's like, daddy can't help you now. And then he's like, shh. And then he's like, I need you, Jesse. We have special work to do. You and me, you've got the body and I've got the brains. <laughs> and then he like starts peeling back Ugh. the fucking skin. Gross. Visually, that was so cool. Like Dude. the stuff that they did with the makeup and like how they pulled it off. I was just like, holy fuck. I threw that's up amazing. in my mouth. Like, <laughs> oh. I thought it was awesome. I, I know, Lori. I know with that scene where she opens up her wound, you were probably like barfing. Absolutely oh, yeah. nauseous. <laughs> Ran to the restroom. So as far as the plot, like characters and stuff, and then we'll go into the theme. But as far as like the plot, did you guys like... um what did you guys think about the plot? Like where they took this one, stuff like that. Lori, we'll go ahead. We can start with you. Um, I I thought it was interesting. Um, similarly to the first movie, the ending was a little confusing for me again. Um, but that's okay. I think that's I kind of like that it has like an um, an open ended ending like that where it's kind of open to interpretation. Um, the plot itself, um, I thought was interesting. Being a teacher with the gym teacher, like the dichotomy between. Um, how he acted at school and then him at the um, gay bar, the, the LGBTQ bar. Um, I thought that part was really interesting. Um, there was an, a really cool relationship between um, Grady and Jesse. We were shipping them for sure, <laughs> hoping the that romance they would. Was <laughs> the best. Thing. The bromance. Grady was um, underrated. I love the fa- I love the fashion. I loved the music. I thought it was um, the score was really um, creepy at times, like in a good way. I thought mm-hmm. it was um, it really added to the movie. And, yeah, I didn't like when the bird exploded. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you're an animal lover, don't watch that part. Both birds. But <laughs> literally, like, lit into <laughs> But I thought Jesse's acting, um, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought he was um, really fun to root for, um, to yell at, to cry with, to just be um, involved in um, and kind of, like, follow his journey. I thought it was really interesting uh, and really captivating. And, uh, um, again, like the parents have an interesting role in this movie where they just kind of like don't believe like the kids and it's just uh-huh. kind of bizarre. I'm um, in that aspect, but I thought, um, yeah, I-, I loved, I loved it. I thought it was awesome all the way around. So for sure. Katie Kerr. The parents were the worst. <laughs> were the parents the worst though? <laughs> they, were, they were worse than the ones in the first movie. At least oh, the dad. I, I don't know <laughs> the about dad. that. He, he was like be a man and then he was such yeah, a fucking puss he was like oh my god <laughs> the, fir- the parents of the first one though were like sneaking booze everywhere right. and like <laughs> well, yeah, what well they- maybe they were just more negligent they did so, have silver yeah. fox though as the dad in the first one <laughs> so did. that's probably why so they had some hot factor they i could, I could excuse <laughs> some of that but well i was gonna say what about the cool parents at the party that are like okay we're gonna let the kids that's be true, kids right? let's that's go true. upstairs i was still hung up on his dad just being a giant him. Oh, for sure. Um, hey, he tried to shoot him. So, so <laughs> Kate, did you? Uh, so you already aired some like problems with the plot and stuff. Yeah. So I mean, all right. My problems with the plot 
I mean, you can't, I can't really isolate it to any like one or two instances because it is like pretty much the entire thing once you realize that it, okay, this is a possession movie now. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I just recently watched for Lori's episode, the nightmare, on, a, the first nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm expecting to interpret whether or not I'm seeing dreamland or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's entirely different. Like he's now able to possess him, show external people Freddy's visage instead of because like it's also not a possession movie in the way I'm used to seeing possession movies. Right, the yeah. person's body stays the same, but they right. are just being operated on the inside, right? right? Um, and so, and then you see at the end when he, um, Mark's character. Jesse, when Lisa finally gets him to sort of overcome Freddy mm-hmm. and like a shell of Freddy is on the outside now, mm-hmm. but Freddy came out to begin with through his like chest and stuff. And then that's how it it's ended like, too. So I'm like, they ripped up Jesse's body to have Freddy and then Jesse's body's actually inside of Freddy. So it's like, a nest Russian nesting doll situation. Like it, that's the, what bothered me is like, it just, I couldn't make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they could have taken a little bit of time and try to make sense of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, this I movie was like incredibly, part, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Kate. Um, because like, like you said, there was like the show of Freddie, but then at the very, very end when they're on the bus, he shoves his hand through that girl. Right. And so I, I took the end, like I took the ending of the first one, which is that it just, it's a shitty ending in my opinion like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a shitty ending it just like the first out. one's ending which is just mm-hmm. like it's meant to confuse you and not mm-hmm. make sense and to be like oh yeah just kidding freddy's still alive mm-hmm. um well he still exists uh and so i guess you could interpret the ending as like him back in dreamland maybe he fed off of the fear like he like he got some power and i don't know i really don't know how to yeah. make sense of it at all i'm like but in the end technically jesse kind of eradicated him or so we're meant to believe so mm-hmm. how does he mm-hmm. come back if how does he keep coming back other like i don't know all right maybe so, someone else maybe you or donnie you're like for you're, sure you've seen the whole franchise and maybe you'll be able to so one it. of the things that i thought was cool bub is like um watching this with people that don't know the series and stuff and so you really do realize that someone would want to know the rules and like Freddie is immensely powerful in this fucking movie. <laughs> it's like, all right, so what can he do and what can he do? But, uh, did, wh- did you like where this plot went and stuff like that? Like it, it kind of reminded me of like those original novels, like the David Bishop, uh, those, uh, black flame novels and stuff or like a comic. Yeah. I, I think it did have that comic or sort of like the EC comics aesthetic where, you know, if you, if, if, because I've seen them all and I think each one has their own like motif, I guess. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, the first one is the introduction and it's the original and it's all about Nancy and like the relationship to what the parents did. But I think this one and the third one are interesting because, you know, this one has the possession and now there's all this gay subtext. And the third one is this sort of very fantasy driven, like almost comic book, like X-Men like movie. (laughs) He said exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it kind of goes to interesting places throughout the series. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a point where there's, I won't spoil the other ones, but there's all these things that are happening that are 
sort of the theme like throughout the film and and then there are characters that start uh, appearing more frequently throughout the series starting from three on and so I, I liked it I, I I really like and I don't know if anybody noticed this and I'm sure people have but I like to knowing that there's all this gay subtext and also that Lisa is his love interest and she also looks like Meryl Streep yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. We all like made yeah. mention of that because, yeah. like, I think that's hilarious. Like, as she looks now, she still looks like Meryl Streep. Oh yeah, she's so she looks pretty. Great. Yeah. Also, pretty. also like Freddie Lovecraft. <laughs> yes. Like, there's this Lovecraftian sort of like body horror thing going on that I, I think the effects were really good for. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie has like a lot of Cronenberg in it, to me. Like the like a yeah, like a lot of body horror, like you said. So. To get to the elephant in the room, uh, I want to get to the themes. And to do that, I need to introduce um, this documentary that's on Shudder right now, streaming. Um, it's called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. It's 2019. It examines the infamous homoerotic subtext and the special place this film holds in the Nightmare franchise, as well as the gay film canon. Partly in thanks to evolving uh, social norms, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which was considered controversial at the time of its release, is now being looked back upon with a new appreciation and fondness by horror aficionados and fans of the series. So, Bub, we'll go ahead and start with you with the themes, and then we'll go to Lori and Katie Kerr, because you guys are the ones that I want to, like, know what you guys think about this movie. Like, did, is the message of this movie, does the message of this movie work? What is the message of this movie kind of thing? Okay. Like, yeah. what does Freddy represent? There's a lot to unpack here. That's mm-hmm. why I wanted to get to this. But, Bub, you go ahead. Um, yeah, after watching the documentary, it kind of put a lot of what I maybe um, have thought about after seeing it kind of um, much older, but it put it in a different perspective, especially watching Mark Patton's journey pre-Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and then afterwards and all the things that he was dealing with at the time. And I mean, the 80s were not kind to um, you know, the gay LGBTQIA community in no way. And especially with Ronald Reagan as a president, I mean, he was a very cool um, kind of celebrity. And mm-hmm. he also kind of operated on this uh, moral majority sort of leadership. And I think a lot of 80s horror movies sort of uh, went sort of like this punk, this really mm-hmm. ass attitude against that idea of we're just going to go extreme with, you know, the gore, with the themes, the ideas, the gratuitousness of it, and we're going to go all out. And I think that's why I like um, 80s movies, 80s action movies, 80s horror movies, because it kind of, you know, stuck its finger up at the Reagan administration. And I think that um, it just narrowing it down to Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I think after watching the documentary, I watched uh, the movie again last night, and it put a lot of things into perspective about, you know, um, Freddie sort of representing this, um, you know, this dirty secret in Mar- or in um, in Jesse, and it being him being closeted, and maybe it's sort of seeping into his life and seeping into maybe his crush on um, his friend, and you know, kind of destroying the nuclear family that he had on the lens of the moral majority, and so I think that. I agree with some points in the documentary that yes, it's a very homophobic movie in some ways. And Mm -hmm. it is a very, um, 
you know, stereotypical of, of gay people and, you know, the, the coach being in the leather bar and sort of being this sadist to, to the kids outside of the bar. And so there was a lot of things there. It's, it's a lot of heavy, um, I guess, uh, metaphors in the movie that I'm thinking about, but I like the idea that it's being owned now as this, um, this tale of what can happen, you know, when you have this secret inside and it's burning at you. And I think that the moment it kind of reached out to me in the movie is when Freddie is waving his hands in the air and saying, you know, you're all my children now. That's kind of a, a direct um, way of how the moral majority felt that the gays were coming for them, you know, then like, mm -hmm. if you are exposed to these ideas, this music and these movies, right. you're going to be influenced to be gay too. And, you know, this and that. And so I kind of liked um, those very, I guess now looking at them, they're very um, sort of um, in your face uh, with that. And so I, I, I appreciate the movie much more now, even watching the documentary. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it's, it's great oh for sure yeah for sure and i think that like uh, a round of yeah no that applause. that deserves yeah, a, that, was really great that deserve a, a clap for sure <laughs> and i think like i liked how the documentary like we mentioned the documentary i like how it ends on like um not i won't go an upbeat note but i liked that mark Positive. was able to uh confront the writer of the film uh what mm. was his name david haskins what a uh, dick. <laughs> yeah, and like um like Katie Kerr says, what a dick. And and he was in a lot of interviews he said some like really terrible shit. Like you, you know, over the years mm. for sure. I uh, got receipts. Yeah, so Katie Kerr, you <laughs> got like, receipts. You got receipts. <laughs> um in one interview and we don't know the context because the documentary doesn't go into it, but um he was quoted as saying that the love of any good woman could make any gay man straight. And that's mm. just like one of the terrible, terrible things that he said. And then basically just not owning up that there was lots of subtext and some just and actual intentional. Gay text. Yeah. And it wasn't just the acting that made it quote unquote gay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, the coach literally got attacked by balls, like literally attacked by balls before he was strung up in the shower, nude, whipped with a towel. My worst like, nightmare. How you, you literally Death by cannot balls. get than that. <laughs> yeah, like, and what I was gonna say, like, I, I, I enjoyed the documentary because I liked that Mark was able to confront him, and they were able to make peace, like in some mm -hmm. way, like in their own way, you know. And Mark was. Um, he ended it with saying like, I realized that I put a lot of like, you know, uh, he was like, I don't think you're a homophobe. I think that you were, you just made like maybe an exploitive film like mm -hmm. of the times. And he was like, I know the mid eighties weren't, you know, let's face it. I mean, there's a lot of homophobic shit and a lot of these movies, you know, in the mm -hmm. mid eighties and stuff. But, oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Lori, what did you think about the themes and stuff? What, what worked, what didn't kind of for you? And Yeah. Um, I just remember watching the documentary and Katie and I looked at each other um, when Mark was going to meet up with David and we were both like nervous for him. We were both wanting him to get that closure and that peace. Um, and then hearing his struggles and what he had been through um, prior to filming this movie and then um, the backlash from this movie and how he kind of um, lost everything that he had worked so hard for and earned um, and, and the things that he was going through medically um, and just learning kind of how his life was in the 80s really made you like root for him even more. And um, mm -hmm. looking back at the movie, 
um, not realizing that, you know, that was what he was kind of going through internally. And um, I thought that that made him an even more likable character in the movie and as a person. Um, I was really happy to see that he's found his peace in Mexico and, you know, he's happy with his attractive husband they and he's so living his best cute. life. And um, I love that he's touring. I love that he's a rock star to so many people because um, he is a he is a, a scream queen. And I think that him taking that um, that ownership of the word and kind of um, looking at it as like, no, well, that's a cult classic. It's not, you know, there's the backlash that may have happened at the time um, is over. Our generation is different. We're making big moves, you know, towards um, trying to trying to for um, just, you know, inclusivity whatever that word is. Yeah, I got it. (laughs) Um, And just equal rights for everybody. Um, But, you know, seeing that he's now an activist and he's kind of taken um, everything that he's went through and just came out stronger on the other side was really, really exciting for us to watch. Um, As far as the movie itself, it took me to watch the documentary to where I actually felt the homophobic vibes. I thought it was more homoerotic at the time, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, The first time I watched it, um, I thought it was more like a celebration of like, here's what we have, like, want it mm-hmm. if you got it. Like, the the scene where he's dancing is just, like, so iconic. I love every single minute of it. Um, and so it took me to understand a little bit deeper from where the writer was coming from. Um, so, if, uh, unfortunately, the fact that he did have to endure so much after that um, kind of made me, you know, open my eyes and, um, like I said, just root for him more. But it's a, it's a great kind of um, coming full circle story where he was able to confront the, the man who, you know, he was – um, kind of harboring some deep-seated resentment towards for quite some time um, and, and get that apology that I think he needed for closure. So For sure, and I don't want to let David off. Like uh, I know uh, Katie read one of the quotes, but I have another one. And uh, it's there was certainly some intentional, intentional subtext, but it was intended to play as homophobic as opposed to homoerotic. I thought about the demographics for these types of films, young heterosexual males, and tried to imagine what kind of things would frighten them to the core. And scary dreams that make them, even momentarily, question their own sexuality seemed like a slam dunk to me at the time. If you really wanted to have fun, one might argue that the entire movie is a metaphor. Jesse is, in the end, able to control the monster inside him, his latent homosexuality, with the love of a good woman. Ugh. Okay, Maybe but... they should show this film at one of those evangelical deprogramming sessions where they try to fix gay people into normal Americans. Wow. Like, like Mike Pence wants us to go to. Yeah, see, so like, it's like, and he later says he was joking around, but it's like, obviously. No, that, that's yeah. obviously serious. I mean, like, and like Lori said, like, after you watch the documentary, like, a lot of it becomes more and more obvious. Like, mm-hmm. Jesse is literally always completely closed unless he's in bed. Like, he's trying to hide himself. Or, like... um, Or when he was at the leather bar, his shirt yes. was open. Yeah, it was. Like, he could, yeah. he felt, like, the freedom. Mm-hmm. Or, and the fact that he had no chemistry at all with the Meryl Streep lookalike. It's like he was, like, forcing himself <laughs> to do that. Like, he clearly had more chemistry with Grady. That was nice. Like, I, thought she was, I thought she was a good friend, too. No, like, she, she that was needs a great to be pointed out. she was still of there course. for him. You know, she still came through. She still did everything she did, like, could to protect him. But, like, whenever push came to shove and he needed help, he went to his man, Grady. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Just saying. <laughs> for sure. Grady deserved better. I'm yeah, making Grady a shirt. Was you could buy him off my Etsy. Beautiful girl. <laughs> So one of the I, I have a quote from uh, Mark that I thought was like really really powerful too, and he was talking about like how 
when this came out, like uh, the AIDS epidemic was like right in full swing and stuff. But I just thought this was like really powerful. And then I'll go around and like kind of get your guys' opinions and stuff on this. But it's my generation is gone. I have no friends my age. I want people to know their history. I want them to hear from somebody the way that the world is now. It wasn't like that five minutes ago. They need to know what happened and we need to keep telling them because if we don't keep telling them, there will be a lot of people who want to put them back in a box and put them back in their place where they belong. The world has changed since 1985 and you know why it's changed? Because of people like me who stand up and tell their story and say, look, this happened to me and I will be goddamned if I let it happen to another person. That was like the strongest like possible way to like end the documentary. Like like, on that quote, like for sure chills. Mm-hmm. But Bub, if you want to go ahead and take the take the mic, yeah. So I mean, it's it's there's obviously a lot of heaviness in the documentary when they start to sort of recall the history of the '80s with the HIV/AIDS epidemic and how the handling was with uh, Ronald Reagan, and um, it's heavy. It's heavy personally to me because I myself have lost. Um, I lost a friend to um, AIDS in 2007, who was my best friend. And then I also lost a best friend to AIDS in 2016. And so it's, they were at such different times in the world and in history. And earlier in 2007, the medicines were different. And so trying to my friend go through that and then seeing my friend, you know, not too long ago going through that, it, it's, it's very painful and it's a very um, stigmatizing um, area to be because they were they felt alone and they felt alone in society and um, you know when you have these I'll, I'll just say the moral majority people that are still out there that are still very judgmental and they still have this idea that you know you're you have quote gay cancer or quote you know you're turning the kids this way and so there's all these negative things that can be associated um, with this movement, even though it's come so far in history to where there are people taking the medications for PrEP now, which is amazing um, to to sort of manage it. And I think it's, I think we're in a really good place with it, but looking at the context of the time, you know, it's, it's very, it's very depressing to see Mark going through this and, and losing, you know, lovers and losing his friends to this. And then, you know, having to deal with this movie and then the backlash. And I was really thankful to see that um, he's owning the movie. And I think that's the thing about, like, these sorts of very controversial movies, like Nightmare on Elm Street 2, or even like Sleepaway Camp, where there are these gay themes and there's these trans themes in it that at one time were so negative and homophobic that, now it's like we can own that and it's part of our history we're visible and you can see that in our sort of um the lgbtqia history in film and it's it's important to us now looking back at that and yes i think that the movie is is homophobic in many ways and yes it's very homoerotic but um and i'll i'll just throw out another movie um al um al pacino did a movie with al pacino I always get him confused with someone else. No, it was Al Pacino, who did a movie called Cruising. Mm-hmm. It, it's William Frederick directed it, and it's, it's a very controversial film because it shows, you know, the gay community in this very leathery sort of thing, and there's this slasher going around, and it's a metaphor for AIDS. And 
so all these movies, despite being controversial, I think it's important to have that visibility and have that history. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very touching thing looking at it now. And it makes me love the movie so much more knowing that Mark is in it and embraces it now. Absolutely. So let's go around and give some of our favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, Producer Kate, let's start with you. You've been quiet for a little bit. (laughs) I have a lot of favorite scenes start in my notes, but I will just pick two so I don't like overlap anybody else's favorite scenes because I'm I'm sure these are some of your guys's too. Um, So the unpacking montage where he's dancing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah, it was the first scene that I wrote down that I loved. Um, And we can talk about that more because I'm like the girls at least is probably on their (laughs) favorite list. Um, But yeah, when he's he's like kind of twerking his butt against the drawer to push it shut. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes. I was just like, (laughs) I do that every morning. I was cackling. I was like hooting and hollering. I was like, yes, this is so cool. So cute. Um, And then, of course, you know, when he's got what I don't know what he's holding, but he's like he's holding it like at his crotch, kind of like a Mm -hmm. hopper. Yeah. I like this scene. I like it a lot. I like the silly 80s music in it and the fact that he's literally throwing his stuff in drawers, like no organization. It's just like no folding. It's just like such a teenage fuck you, dad. Yeah, such a teenage boy thing to do. So um, I love that scene. And then probably the coolest effects scene to me was when Jesse's gone into. what's his name grady's room mm-hmm. and he starts to kind of morph into yeah. freddy like his yes. uh, he's looking at his hand and his hand starts like sprouting these knives and um and then freddy's face comes through his chest like stretches through his chest mm-hmm. i really like that effect i thought it was really cool mm-hmm. but yeah that whole transformation scene was pretty dope to me i like that oh for sure Katie Curry, you want to go ahead with okay. your favorite some of your so, favorite scenes might not be mine may not be other people's um, but I really liked whenever, like, piggybacking off of the unpacking montage, um, when they find the diary in his closet, mm-hmm. and then she starts reading about a shirtless Johnny Depp, and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. let me see that, tell me more, because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know, I'm here for the tea, and then <laughs> when they're playing baseball, and then Grady falls, and, like, lands a, like, with his face and his crotch and then stands up and just pants him. <laughs> I got yeah. a little giggle out of that too. Yeah. That like wrestling with his butt out, like yeah. in front of everyone. I was yeah. like, yes. okay. I'm like, all right. It's glaringly <laughs> obvious. They made a pun there. They said that's a real heads up play because he got hit on the butt. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not because I did sports not. Sports metaphor, babe. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't really do sports. <laughs> Lori, some of your favorite scenes. Um, I actually put down the baseball scene myself. Um, I just got a kick, a kick out of that one. Um, and then I mentioned in the first movie that I liked the tongue scene where the tongue came to the um, phone. And knew uh, it. likewise, <laughs> in the second movie, um, when he was trying to um, mount Lisa or whatever her name was um, with the zero chemistry that they had, the tongue came back out of uh-huh. Freddy's tongue. And it was, it's like the surprise effect of it. And I like that they paid like homage to the, homage to the first movie with that. Yes. Even mm-hmm. though it felt forced AF. It was a great effect though. <laughs> we well, yeah. It. And it's like, it was a great effect before he can actually get down to business. Freddy yeah. takes over and it's like the thing inside he, of him. He, it I kind mean, of gets to that gay, that to. gay subtext again, like him fighting. Right. Um, mm-hmm. His nature tells him no. Right, right. I agree. I I've mentioned a few of my favorite scenes, but I'll um, 
like I really, really dig. Uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, producer Kate. Uh, Grady's death is like really, really well done and like dark as mm-hmm. fuck. It is. Like when Freddie pops out and he's just kind of like standing there, and then Grady's like against the door, like yelling "Dad" and shit, and the dad's like on the other end trying to bust in, and then you see that fucking glove come through the door, yeah. like oh my god, dude. <laughs> I also liked like in the showers though, when uh, Freddie's like try this on for size or whatever, and throws the glove down, and then mm-hmm. you get that iconic shot of Mark like standing with the glove on. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking killer, man. But Bub, what were some of your favorite scenes? Yeah, so I mean, there's so many that like with special effects that were really cool, like where this where the claws are like coming out of his fingers, and um, I thought that transformation scene was was really cool, and um, I like a lot of the campier scenes, like when um, he screams, like I live for his. Uh, I know he doesn't like. He has the best scream. He's the best. He's a he's a scream queen, and I was like, yeah, so I was living for it every time he screamed. <laughs> It was really funny. Um, and I, I think um, I think the ending is hilarious when she kisses him and then it's like, everything's fine. You know, Freddie's melted away and like she's been with her Meryl Streep kiss. Oh, yeah. Pretty hilarious. But um, I think <laughs> Freddie was a pretty like badass in the movie. And I, I like that it was a final boy. And um, I like, yeah, I think it was, it was pretty fun. And how do you guys take that ending? Like, do you take the ending as oh, like homophobic, like you guys said, like, oh, she saved him. And then, oh, no, she didn't because it's fucking back. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't repress something. I mean, I took it as a no, she didn't because it's back. I mean, and part of him, like Kate said, like the whole like the skin, like it was still there. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. erased. Mm-hmm. And then it came back at the end. At least <laughs> that's how I would take it. I know like Katie hasn't seen these movies, so it's like. Me? She's yeah, like all you guys really. So it's like I've seen some. It's like does every that. movie end with Freddie driving the school bus right. or driving <laughs> or a car? Or like <laughs> I made a note about that because like it began and ended with transportation. Like at least the first two movies have. And then still gotta watch it the, the the beginning was weird because like you know obviously Robert England's driving the bus and then like I felt. I felt they deliberately made him look like Gary Newman, and maybe I'll post a picture of Gary Newman. Bub, you know who Gary Newman is? He looks like, like he's where he's got eye makeup on and shit, like at the beginning, and he's got the slick back hair and shit. So I was like, they gotta be making him look like Gary Newman right now. Wasn't Freddie a janitor at the school, or wasn't he something related to the school somehow? Like when he was a pedophile? I don't remember, but I think he was a custodian. Yeah. Yeah, so that made sense that he was like, oh, now he's driving the bus, like. Mm-hmm. I'm not more. He should have been in more positions. <laughs> yeah, he That's should have been. Uh, he should have been Lisa. <laughs> can I just say? Can I just point out too, like, how much of a fuck? Like, I texted you this, bub, but like, Robert England is a fucking gem in the horror community. Literally, like, he, he he's not an asshole. Like, he's not you know a douchebag or whatever. He's very sensitive on topics and stuff like that. And one other thing that just came to mind was the director said that he had no clue about the gay subtext and i was like bullshit dude correct like, like, bullshit. Were, were you wearing earplugs and right. face masks the entire time yeah it's like what are we shooting in uh, oh this is a gay bar okay let's roll well, yeah. <laughs> it's like what yes, yes. Yeah, how did you have no clue they did yeah. call him out though they were like they're like don't yeah. pretend. come on don't lie yeah i was gonna because it was wild 
I was going to say, while we're on the topic of Robert England, I know Rose took me to task online um, uh-huh. about my, uh, from Lori's episode uh-huh. um, on the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Because uh, you said it sucked. No, I did not. <laughs> I actually gave it a pretty high rating, if you remember. But anyway, no. Um, oh, and I, and I said in, the, in that episode, too, that Robert England was really, really good. It's just I didn't like the jokes. His jokes weren't scary to me, mm-hmm. um, but they also weren't funny. But in this one, I feel like he was truly terrifying throughout the whole mm-hmm. thing. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't get like, oh, this is a little hokey. Get on with it. Like in any of the scenes, really. Like they were all pretty, pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, th- oh, I think he's definitely the scariest. Like in in this one, I would say, because in the next one you get welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like he's way more like a one liney uh, as the series goes, but. We've been recording for a while, so I kind of want to go around and give like our final takes, like our final like uh, take on the movie, our rating on the movie. Bub, when it comes to you, I want you to like place this movie. I think you did that earlier, and then um, I got two book recommendations for the view the listeners. I was about to say viewers because we got videos and shit. <laughs> I know it's so cool. <laughs> but Lori, go ahead. I will give it five claws out of wow. five. Wow. I'm a big fan. I want to watch the third one tonight if Katie will stay up with me and watch it. Yeah, I'll stay up with you. But t- truthfully, they're more fun to watch with Travis. Truth. Um, <laughs> I give it a 10 out of 10 also. I enjoyed it very much. But I love Freddy. Wow. I do. I still want my Freddy tattoo. Mm-hmm. Right here. Right here. And it'll say, sweet dreams are made of these. Mm. I already got it planned out. <laughs> right? Spooky, spooky bitch. I'm getting a Michael Myers tattoo pretty soon, by the way. Yay. Oh. That's your birthday gift? Pretty, that's a, yeah. Working, that's my birthday present. to that also. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to give Rose money. Producer Kate. <laughs> All right. Um, I would give this a three and a half out of Wow. Five. I don't think that's too harsh. <laughs> I think the plot issues and like just it not making a lot of the, – the rules aren't – clear or just they're not i don't know i just couldn't i couldn't get into that i think that's the only thing that takes that's the (laughs) only thing that takes away i mean i'm I'm very logical but i also really like like maholland drive and some other like really weird ass bizarre movies um but yeah this that's the only thing that really took it took away from it for me i did like the first one better Mm -hmm. um but i still think this is a good movie and especially if you're um if you are an ally like me like i'm not you know i'm not lgbtq but i like to think of myself as an ally and if you are i feel like you should see this movie um and see it with your queer friends like it's it, it would be a fun time especially mm-hmm. during pride month if you're looking for a recommendation and you um yes i bet a lot of people in the sort of who are mainstream kind of film fans or movie fans might not know that this is actually kind of a queer film Mm -hmm. see and i didn't really know about that either i mean i knew about some of the like the more i don't know if it'd be like obvious but like jennifer's body oh my god by by icon (laughs) by icon nobody mentioned the two dogs (laughs) in the movie with the human heads is this still (laughs) oh yeah that that was a good fucking yeah that was a good scare man (laughs) i hated that Really that's what's going on downstairs right now <laughs> right <laughs> probably <laughs> go down there and it's like hodge's head <laughs> so bub what were your like final thoughts on the movie like revisiting it at another time um i am gonna steal what laurie said and i'm definitely gonna give it five claws out of five um it's my it's yeah i mean 
I always go back to, I revert to a kid when I watch some of these movies, but now after knowing like all the subtext and watching this documentary, I can't help but not see this um, deeper level, which is weird to see in like a slasher movie, I guess. So I definitely appreciate it a lot more. And um, yeah, definitely would rank it, I think is my third favorite, right? So I think the third movie is my favorite because it has this badass punk um, called Taryn in it. And she's my favorite um, Nightmare on Elm Street character. And when they watch it, they can see how much of a badass she is. Mm. Heck yeah. And I really love the first movie because I love Nancy. So definitely my second. And then I think this one would be my third favorite for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's It's got to be right in there for me as well. Like, um, I would say the third's probably my favorite. And then the like original, just like you, I would probably put it like at four. I don't know. I really like the fourth one a lot too. Like, I... <laughs> New Nightmare is badass too. Isn't that Gabe's favorite? And yeah, Nightmare. so yeah, so my husband loves um, Wes Craven, and he loves the New Nightmare movie because it's very meta, mm-hmm. and does appreciate that aspect. Actually, unpopular opinion, it's it's probably one of my least favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Is New Nightmare the one about the movie? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I don't like either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jump <in the> bed. <laughs> but yeah, I think like. Um, I'll be honest, I love doing these because Nightmare on Elm Street is kind of one of those series, like, I I do like it a lot, but I'm starting to love it more. Like, um, Halloween's my favorite series of all time, but even the Friday the 13th, like, I know, like, the back of my hand and stuff. But Nightmare on Elm Street, I've always been, like, like, I, I, I enjoy some of them, but revisiting them has been, like, a really cool experience for me. Because I think they are, like, I think this might be, like, the smartest series, like, out of all of them, I think. Like, they just have interesting people, like, coming and, like, doing what they want kind of thing. And I enjoy that. Like, the Friday the 13th, I think, is the most consistent. But it's just, like, you know, it's fucking Jason. <laughs> it's Hodge in a mask, like, killing, <laughs> knocking awesome teens. <laughs> well, in, in, in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, you, once you watch the third movie, you have characters that are now a central part of the plot for at least two more sequels. So it's... It's kind of cool to see their arcs throughout the three movies, and it kind of does play like its own little trilogy. Oh, for sure. For sure. So with that, I will get to my uh, book recommendations and stuff. And like I said, uh, just ahead of time, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Happy Pride Month to you guys. Uh, This was a special episode for me, and especially like uh, to get Bub on was was awesome. I'm glad that we found a way to make it work and stuff. Yeah, once we get these technical things worked out for sure. we gotta have you on for a lot more episodes for sure um thank you so much so the comics i have today are by lgbtq creators um the first one is called the woods i don't know if you've read these or not bub yes um, awesome. uh boom studios produced this and it's uh james tinian uh the fourth i think is the writer um it's on a brisk fall day in suburban milwaukee wisconsin 437 students and 52 teachers and 24 additional staff from Bay Point Preparatory High School vanished without a trace. Countless light years away, far outside the bounds of the charted universe, 513 people find themselves in the middle of an ancient primordial wilderness. Where are they? Why are they there? The answers will prove stranger than anyone could possibly imagine. So like I said, LGBTQ writer, um, 
it, the USA Today says a little bit Breakfast Club and a little bit Twilight Zone. Can I borrow it? Uh, no, you cannot. <laughs> you still have my Buffy uh, comic, bitch. <laughs> okay, and the second one I have is from Marguerite or Margaret Bennett. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. This is from Aftershock. What's Aftershock? Marguerite. Marguerite Bennett is what producer Kate's telling me. <laughs> um, this is from Aftershock Comics, and Aftershock Comics does a lot of like great horror. Um, if you're into that kind of stuff, um, and she does a lot of cool horror. Um, it says like a beautiful butterfly emerging from its crystallis. Am I saying that right? Crystallis. Love can be born from the most horrific of places, and it says. At the dusk of a century, a pair of vengeful Victorian vixens discover a horrifying power which transforms them into rich and strange new creatures. Armed with their dark, evolving forms, they descend into a world of the cultured and the occult, with new senses and new sensuality, to forge a life for themselves and the child of their love. So this is... um, I'll just read one of the reviews, and this kind of describes it better than I can even attempt to. But he, um, this is Manny Popka from Pop Culture HQ. It says, It's like you toss downtown Ab- Downton Abbey, The Fly, Gia, and Fantasia into a blender, and you get something <laughs> that's deep. That's intense. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Fly. Not The Fly in Downton Abbey, though. And Fantasia. Yeah. And you get something almost close to the greatness you find in insects. Sex. Why don't you Why don't you spell that just so people can? I n s e x t s insects. We see the. That's volume one, but that's why he bought it. That's pretty cool. That is. I like the artwork. Yeah, dude, you need to check out some of the aftershock horror. But this is like straight body horror, like on this this issue like that look it's fucking like bug legs coming out of a victorian woman oh wow it's like all right i'm in in. (laughs) but anyway um (laughs) i think that about does it for this uh edition of horrifying my friends i want to thank everybody for joining us uh you can as always you can find us at horrifying mf on twitter uh horrifying my friends on facebook and instagram and you can take me to task travis ybarra travis ray ybarra i believe is my name on twitter that's what I'm most active on. Producer Kate, you are most active on what Facebook, you would say? I'll never tell. Yeah, drop Kate a line <laughs> asking her why she thinks Snackmore on Elm Street sucks. <laughs> no haters. I'm not. I won't entertain you. But yeah, but. thank you guys all for joining us and stuff. This has been really, a really, really fun episode. Yes, thanks. Thanks. Yes. Thank yes. you, Travis, for making this a special Pride edition. We really yes. appreciate it. Thank we you for your exposure. Ally. You're the best, best ally yes. ever. You are. <laughs> All right, y'all. Till next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.